Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we're two ladies on an adventure. Listen along every 10 days or so as we cook a dish we like. Quest about cannabis education. Or chat with someone we respect. You can find more information about this episode at highgluttony.com. Thanks for joining us, gluttoneers. Off we go. How are you, Becca? I am good. Moose is getting so big. He's doubled in weight. This will come out a little bit later, too. So he'll be even bigger by the time this is out. But he has been fetching and he knows how to sit now. And he like just cuddles in my lap in the morning and sleeps like until I start working. And it's really sweet. I love him. That's the Moose update. I'm really glad about what we're making today because I've been eating a shitload of caramels. I keep (laughs) buying this box of caramels. I buy like three boxes a week and I eat a whole box in one sitting and I can't stop. This is just happening. So might as well just take control and get going on it on my making myself. I'm excited. How are you? What's going on over there? I am very excited because my... Native Foods Nursery order came last week and we put put them in the ground. And so we had to like kind of review what I bought. So I was reading more about the golden current or whatever it is that I bought, but it has these beautiful tiny yellow flowers that come off the bush. And apparently they smell like cloves and cinnamon. So I am like, I really wish they would flower this year, but I know it's going to be at least a year or more probably before they actually flower. I'm just, I'm so excited about my new plants. I'm like, I, I want them to flower <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's a real patience game a whole year before, oh. maybe before you can see what you want to see, but how fun when that happens. I know it'll be very exciting. I'm can't wait. Can't wait. Well, we're both sipping on some bourbon while we get going today. We were trying to think of something that would be kind of sweet or butterscotchy and we could not come up with something and finally just said, okay, we're doing bourbon instead. (laughs) That's what we're drinking. Well, the logic was that we could put the bourbon into the caramels if we really felt like it. That's right. (laughs) And what are you smoking while we hang out today? I'm really enjoying, I just, we talked about re-upping our medical cards and I love the new place that I've been getting my supplies from. Today they had a sale on this Miss Grass brand. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but it comes in the cutest little box (laughs) with matches with it. They're like, we're going to provide you with everything you need. But this one is a one-to-one CBD THC blend because we, I have been figuring out that is a really good level for me is to have that little, that balancing CBD into the THC. It works really good for my brain. And this one is spirit grass is the strain in these pre-rolls and it has eight point, sorry, 9.08% THC and 9.38 CBD. And the main terpenes are it are caryophylline and humulene and pinene. Awesome. What are you smoking? Well, the mist grass sounds super fun. Spirit grass. Hello. You got a yeah, little spirit ghost, grass. ghost joint over there. <laughs> I have some blackjack on a vape pen. 
and it's very nice. It, I forget how much THC it had, but it had a lot of terpenoline and caryophylline. And then I've been pairing that with a CBD drink. So I've been having the like can infused Ooh. tonics, which I've just been sipping on this afternoon. And I, I also have been enjoying like just a lot more CBD. I also got these little like tablets from that place and they were expired, but they have like half a milligram of THC per tablet. And I swear I can feel it mm. because <laughs> it's like my tolerance is so low that I can feel <laughs> that little itty bitty bit of THC in it. But I've been enjoying those little tablets. Get, getting delivery from your dispensary is awesome. It's amazing. And they, they got here. I placed the order at like 10 30 or something. It was here by 11 o'clock. Like I was faster so than impressed. A pizza. Faster than a freaking pizza. <laughs> it's very exciting. So should we finally tell them what we're actually making today? And I guess so. We've been hinting at it. I'm sure they read the title, but yet we have been waiting for the big reveal. This is my number one caramel recipe. If you like a soft and chewy caramel, this is the recipe to go to. It's the Spruce Eats. And the title of it is Soft and Chewy Caramel Candy Recipe. We will be using two cups of heavy cream, one half cup sweetened condensed milk, two cups of light corn syrup, one half cup of water, two cups of granulated sugar, and a half a cup or one stick of butter. And I put on here cooking spray because that's something I had to get. I didn't have that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's probably a, a good call. Yeah, I've, I'm excited to have it now. I probably will never go back, but, you know, I had to get it. Have <laughs> you not worked a lot with cooking spray? I mean, it's not like I'm a heavy user of cooking spray, but. No, I don't. I could say I never use it. Good thought to add that to the, the ingredient list, because if you're just not somebody that thinks about it or has ever really used it, then you may not have it hanging around. I really, really love. So this is my favorite. Of course, I am the I am in the cult of Trader Joe's, <laughs> but this is the Trader Joe's coconut oil spray. I love this stuff. Not the least of which qualities is that it smells like coconut. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I had I did an avocado. I didn't want olive oil, and so I just yeah the avocado spray. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I also like the avocado spray because. I just like that there's so many choices now. Like it's not all like this weird one thing that like it, it, cooking spray. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it was always just like butter. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. If it's butter flavored, awesome. But uh. <laughs> well, we know we're working with not that many ingredients today, but how difficult would you say making these soft and chewy caramels is? I always give most of candy making a four just because if you are doing anything that involves determining temperature or anything like that, you're just cranking up the difficulty rating. So good news is we have thermometers now. You don't have to do the like dropping it in ice water test that sometimes you have to used to do. No, thanks. Mm-mm. Messy and time consuming and very, very annoying. Trust <laughs> me, I've done it. It's very annoying. <laughs> So it's a very much a world level four task we have here because there are things that can just go wrong that may have nothing to do with you. And thank you in advance. Thank yeah. Because <laughs> let's face it, crystallization is a real threat 
when it comes to candy making. <laughs> okay. But you have a couple of tricks to help with some of that, right? I do. Not only that, but this the reason I like this recipe so much is that she you she utilizes some of those tricks. We've got number one, adding corn syrup that up really helps stabilize the whole concoction as well as softening it. So that's actually doing two jobs. You are going to be using a pastry brush to wash down the sides to make sure that any crystals of sugar that are up there dissolve and are put back into the main thing of sugar because if you have any crystals on the side it could set off that lovely chain reaction of all the sugar crystals falling in line behind that sugar crystal (laughs) and then you have grainy caramel and no one wants that (laughs) one of the more genius things about this recipe is that it does also contain sweetened condensed milk, which I had never made a caramel recipe before with sweetened condensed milk in it. And that combination of the extra sugar and the the concentrated milk really does a nice job to like enhance these caramels. We got a few things helping you out that makes these turn out a lot easier than some other recipes that I've found. (laughs) Perfect. And you'll have to tell me more about condensed, like sweetened condensed milk a little bit later because I'm curious about what you said. It's just like basically sugar and milk, but there must be some sort of process to it. That's a little more involved than that. You'll hopefully when we're stirring, we'll have some time to chat about condensed milk, at least 20 minutes. I could probably go on for about it for quite a while. Cause I did fall down a short rabbit hole, not a big <laughs> one. All right. So we've got some tricks up our sleeves. We know what to expect world level four. What are the steps? So we need to, number one, have your pan that you're going to put your caramel in prepared. Doing a foil sling. We'll get into that a little bit more in depth a little bit later. And then we're going to grease that pan thoroughly. Cooking spray is generally the best way to go. And I will explain why in a little bit. And that was a nine by nine, like baking pan. Whatever size. I mean, I've made this recipe several times now. I've done it into a sheet pan and I've done it into a roasting pan (laughs) because I make a lot of caramels. (laughs) So the pan shape and size is, it is what it is. Like if you have an eight by eight pan, it's fine. If you don't have either of those, you just have like a baking dish. That'll work too. Okay. So the actual size less important, but this recipe, this recipe said nine by nine, right? Recipe says nine by nine. Yes, that is correct. We'll have our nine by nine pan. And then we need two other pans for the stove top for this. Correct. You need a heavy body pan, heavy body, a heavy body pan, a pear shaped pan. It is a heavy bottom pan. So I am using one of my Dutch ovens. Thank you. Dutch ovens. Thank you. I was like, I can't think of the name of this dish to save my life right now. Please help me. So I've got a Dutch oven here where I'm going to be doing most of my work. And then I have a second saucepan where you're going to warm up your sweetened condensed milk and heavy cream. Okay. And then you said the first step is going to be to line that to be determined size pan (laughs) that you're going to ultimately kind of leave your caramel in to mold. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. That is exactly right. The next step is to start warming your cream and sweetened condensed milk. You're going to want to do that at a low temperature. It's supposed to just be warm, not super hot. That has to do with keeping things emulsified. Then... We are going to start our sugar mixture, which is the corn syrup, water, and sugar. And that's got to come to a certain temperature. 
before we add our cream and milk. And then we are going to stir, 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 stir some more, stir maybe a little bit more than that. And maybe a little bit more stirring. Yeah, before we put it into the pan to sit overnight. I've got already my corn syrup, sugar and water in one pan, and then my condensed milk and heavy cream in the other pan. Yes. Oh, and then we're ready to go? We're ready to go. We're ready to start. Ah, okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? ready. Car- Are you ready, Caramel Becca? <laughs> I'm ready, Caramel Gretchen. <laughs> We're going to turn on our stove. I'd say medium. For the corn syrup mixture? For the corn syrup mixture. Yes. Correct. And low for the dairies. Yes. All right. I'm excited. So we are waiting on boiling right now. And can I stir these? What am I doing? Just looking at them? Do you want to stir both of these together? I learned the hard way that if you do not stir the heavy cream and sweetened condensed milk together, that is a recipe for burning your milk a little bit. It's not great. Well, actually, it was amazing because those were <laughs> the best caramels. They were so good. When you, you, you did this before you burnt the milk? Yes. So this okay. last year for my holiday candy making extravaganza, when I decided to make four batches of caramel, and so I did two giant pans on the stove and I was here and then Sarah was here helping. So we were stirring two pans of caramel. We're doing it at the same time. Did not have enough pans prepared to put them in, to put the pot mixture in. in. Okay. Yeah. But I had started heating some of the heavy cream and sweetened condensed milk and had not mixed it together. And then all of a sudden I was like, what's that smell? Like, (laughs) it smells like burning. And I'm looking on the stove, like, was there milk on? I was like, and I have this one pan. It's terrible. It's a terrible pan for anything other than boiling water. Like for boiling water, it's awesome. You cannot cook in this thing though, because it is apparently the most shitty pan on the planet. <laughs> Burnt the bottom, like not too badly, like lightly, really lightly toasted it. I caught it just in time. So then comes the debate. What do I do about this? Do I run out to the store, get more ingredients, or do I just go with it? And I was like, how's it taste? Yeah. Actually, it tastes pretty good. So we went with it. Uh-huh. And we liked those caramels better. Mm, I love it. We did a controlled version of that today before we got started. I toasted my sweetened condensed milk a little bit just to see if I could replicate that. So we'll have to let you know how it goes on that. But a hell of a good experiment. Hell of a good experiment. Yeah. Or intentional, I guess this time. Intentional. Intentional deliciousness always. <laughs> so we had to stir them before we turned the heat on to avoid any scorching. Burning, scorching. Yeah. And then right now, are we supposed to be stirring it or not? No. Once the sugar is all dissolved, we stop stirring for this first cook on the sugar mixture. Oh, so should I be stirring right now? Is your sugar dissolved? It's kind of liquidy at the top. Probably won't hurt to just move it around a little bit. I've got a little graininess at the bottom, so I'll stir for a second here. Okay, but then you said once it comes to a boil, we don't want to stir it? Right. Every time I put the spatula in, that's another chance to reintroduce some crystals into it or not completely dissolved crystals. So you really don't want to stir during this next portion. And then should I have 
some more water on the side for dipping the pastry brush thing in. Yes. Oh, we should have put that on the list as maybe a oh, special okay. tea equipment uh, too. Equipment thing. Water brush, I'm going to call it. <laughs> water brush. That covers it. Hopefully I'll remember what that means later. <laughs> yeah, just going to use my pastry brush. And today I'm using the Dream Farm Brizzle. <laughs> and are you doing that right now? You're putting I'm water starting to do on that. the sides? Yes, okay. just sort of wiping it around the sides and, and seeing that any of the crystals that develop on the side are washed back into the main pot so that they can be dissolved with all the other sugar crystals. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. So just kind of moistening them enough to get them to get back into the main part. Yeah, get, get them back in the pool. Just get them wet enough these, to get them back in the pool. These little straggler animals need to come back in. I have a lot. Not uncommon. I'm surprised. I usually have them all over the place, but (laughs) I was more careful with my stirring today, maybe. (laughs) But once you reach a certain point, there should stop being that crystal development. So once you stop seeing those crystals appearing on the sides, that's when you're good to stop doing the brushing. Even if some are still there. If you can see them, then keep brushing. You also might have to stand back for a minute and like wait for the heat to come up some more because mine's oh. still not boiling yet. I don't know where you're oh, at. Okay. But. No, same. I was feeling like, am I putting too much water in here trying to get these down? Yeah. So you probably just could sh- take a break waiting for the heat to start coming up Okay, a little bit. And I'm not stirring my dairies either, right? Not as long as they're well mixed, but if you want to run a spatula around in there, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> okay. I'll do it just in case. As I explained, my first, well, my first batch this year had a little burning incident. So I'm never going to say that stirring is a bad idea when it comes to dairy. (laughs) Dairy special. It loves to be moved around and recirculated. A little bit. Yeah, you got to coddle it a little bit. It's precious, kind of like pistachio. How do we end up with these little precious things? Because I like doing them and you agree to do them with me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yep. That's how we get here, Becca. I know. And then every time I'm like, how did I get, why did I say yes? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really not as complicated as it seems. And and if you've ever, you know, and I know you've watched a lot of the Great British Bake Off, but Mm -hmm. in case there are people in our audience that do not partake of that particular gem, crystallization is all around us, even with very experienced bakers. So if you crystallize something, well, you're going to have to start over, but it's not the end of the world. So, (laughs) well, you have to do it all over again, but it's totally fine. (laughs) To make rock candy out of the crystallized stuff, that's pretty much what rock candy is. It's just like really coarsely grained sugar. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. You didn't make rock candy as a child on a regular basis? Uh, nope. No, I don't know why we we did that. I, I, well, I, I don't know if we did it a lot, but we did it a few times. It is sort of fun. It sounds like it. I'd have to look up the process again, but really what it comes down to is making like a sugar water mixture, putting it into a jar with like something for the rock crystals to grow on and just leaving it there. Hmm. To grow on. Sounds weird. <laughs> well, that's what that's what crystals do. Sometimes they grow. Oh yeah, it's just weird when uh, you think about like this rock is growing and then you eat it. <laughs> so I just did another brush of water around the edges. Okay. Because I haven't we're we're we haven't gone too far yet. 
And I don't even start measuring the temperature because we, we need to get this up to 250 degrees. And since I am a reasonably experienced candy maker, I know that I am absolutely nowhere near that. I'm just started to boil. So I'm at 212, maybe 220 at the most. Okay. So I have a ways to go before I'm going to really like start measuring the temperature. Okay. Just so you're I'll just aware. follow suit. I yeah. just started to get a little boil in the middle too. Great. Yeah. Mine's going, mine's actually going pretty well right now. So yours is boiling a lot more than mine. I guess I should turn mine up a little. I just have a little bit left on the sides. I'm trying to get that last little bit that's closest to the liquid. Uh, yeah. That's usually where it, it, like that's sort of the last place because you've got that little bit of stuff that's coming up the walls just because of the boil. So boiling, my boiling's just sort of slowing down a little bit. The bubble, like there's some big bubbles on the top that are sort of sustained. Your, yes. your bubbles are sustained. I need to get mine going a little bit more. You got to catch up. But I'm not seeing any more crystals develop really. So I think my mixture is pretty uniformly dissolved. The problem with having an oval pan like I've got is that it's really hard to get it centered over the burner. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so that the yeah. heat's kind of even. Sure. So mine's boiling kind of a lot now. Like okay. big bubbles. Big bubbles. Yeah. So we could probably take a little uh, temperature poke. Temperature check with my candy Brand thermometer new. that Gretchen got me. Yeah. I was like, I you're gonna, you, no, just stick okay. the probe in. You're going to probe it. Probe it. Because you know it comes apart, right? Oh, so don't use the spatula part. Use the. Yeah, you can just use the needle part for right now. Oh, okay, okay. At 237 right now. I'm at 205 and rising fast. We need to get to 250? 250. And then what do we do? And then we're going to add all the dairy ingredients. So your heavy cream, your sweetened condensed milk mixture, which should be warm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to turn my heat back on because I accidentally boiled the crap out of mine. (laughs) Which you are not supposed to do, but I did anyway. (laughs) 243... 244, 45. Shit. At least I know I got it warmed up before. <laughs> oh, I'm at 250. Jeez. Okay, you're going. I'm going. I have to go. So the one of the reasons you want to heat up the cream and things and have room temperature butter is so that the te- the temperature difference is, isn't so much. Keeps it smoother or something. Right. Then it doesn't get that horrific boiling that I was talking about earlier where it was going to like come up over the sides and attack everything. So you might even be okay using your smaller pan just because of that heating up the care, the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Where are you at? Sorry. I am at (laughs) 225. I kind of stopped at 225. So I'm turning it up a teeny bit. All right. Switching over to the other, to the thermometer spatula. So I'm at 24 minutes and have had my cream and dairy products in for about two minutes, maybe one to two minutes. Okay. I'm at 2.30 with my sugar mixture and have not combined them yet. All right. So it says the temperature dips about 30 degrees when you add all the dairy in. Mine currently is registering at 2.19. And then this has to get to what temperature? 244. Oh my God. I cannot get past like 232. It's a, that's a really hard stage to get through. Unfortunately, it takes a while. There's a, this weird point in the mid thirties that just takes a while to get past. It has to do with the water evaporating. Okay. And 
concentrating the sugar so the temperature can actually go up. So there's just like a weird stage there that where you hit like 230 and then it takes forever for, for some reason. And then once <laughs> you get through that, it's not that bad. Like it goes pretty quick from like 240 to 250. So that's why okay. you, you have to be really prepared when you do this is that you have to be able to be ready to go straight into that pan as soon as you're done. Mm-hmm. And so the dairy mixture first and then the butter. Yes. So I'm already back at 230. But yes, this is why I was like, you need this spatula with the thermometer in it because there is a lot of stirring and it's so nice to be able to have the thermometer be right in there. And while you you're stir, so right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Okay. 240, 242. It'll go fast now. You'll be 250 before you know it. Stirring, stirring, stirring. 28 minutes, almost 29. I've hit, hit the dreaded 232. Wait, do I, I don't turn it down. I just leave the temperature as is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can leave it as is. 247, two, uh, 246. Yeah. The ultimate frustration of like, you've moved it around enough where it went back down or. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 250. Yes, stir. Woo! Ah, boil it over. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Oh, no. I meant it put out you... my fire. Oh, bugger. James is trying to make sure you're not burning down the kitchen. Yeah. Um, it's very full. Oh, no. I think Moose it is didn't having look a like... little panic, too. Oh, my gosh. I haven't put the butter in. Should I put the butter in still? Yeah. I was going to say, oh, yeah, there it goes. Now it's coming down. Yeah, go ahead. But I don't, I had to turn the heat off because. I gotta it was, move it. It went. Yeah. Oh no. Everything's burned. Oh shit. I think I need to put it in a different pan because. Okay. Put it in the cast iron. We're at 30, 32 minutes on mine. 236. Damn you. 230s. Well, you'll have extra time because you have to wait for your pan to warm up a little bit here. Yeah. Well, would you be surprised to learn that a French chef was the first person that come up with sweetened condensed milk? Really? Yeah, I know. You're shocked, right? <laughs> Tell me more. So his name was Nicholas Apert, I think is how you pronounce it. He developed the first canning factory in 1804 and then started producing condensed or canned milk in 1827. And his condensed milk was more like evaporated milk. It was not sweetened and condensed. It was just evaporated. It was a quite a different thing at that time. So what did, what do you mean when you say it was just evaporated? So they would just cook it at a low temperature to remove the water from it in order to preserve it and have it last longer. Water is the key to all almost all spoilage. You need water and a food source. That's how most living things survive. <laughs> <laughs> so just evaporated milk at its infancy stage. Mm-hmm. But in 1835, an English researcher, William Newton, decided to try adding the sugar to milk because they noticed that it did have that preservative quality. And he applied for a patent, but never used it. So he just like came up with this idea and then did nothing with it. <laughs> kind of like how you had the idea for high gluttony like five years before right. <laughs> something happened with it. Except we did something with it instead of just sitting on, sitting on it. Yeah, we are. But it was not until the American Gail Borden developed a real breakthrough that allowed the full industrialization of sweetened condensed milk manufacturing. Now, I could not find out exactly what it was that he did to revolutionize it, 
but by all accounts, it looks like he was a driving factor in producing it on a mass scale. What was that name again? Gail Borden. As okay. Borden Dairy Products fame. Oh, I immediately thought of Lizzie Borden, but yes, I think <laughs> I see where you're going with too. <laughs> I did not even think to look about to find out if that was uh, something I should be considering that we could get in a little murder uh, on this <laughs> as well. All right, I'm at 240 with my my mixture here. I'm at 208. So he ended up patenting, this was, uh, sorry, Gail Borden ended up patenting his process in 1856. And then he started the New York Condensed Milk Company in 1864. We have the American Civil War to thank for condensed milk's popularity. <laughs> Yay, mur- murder made its way in. We, even made, if yeah. we murder is. on a large scale <laughs> made its way in, yes. We are, we don't just go for the small murders around here. We go for the mega four years of murder. Everything we talk about somehow comes back to something really dark. We're dark people. Take a hit. Yeah. The U.S. government or the U.S. military ended up buying a ton of this stuff. Oh, wait. Oh, I, ah, I'm done. I'm done. I forgot. I kept thinking I was going to 250, but I was only going to 244. I'm done. I'm done. You got it. Go, go, go. So into the pan you go, right? Into the pan I go. Okay. And she is very explicit about don't, don't you dare scrape the bottom of this pan. Oh. So you're so only supposed to take in. the, the free floating caramel. And okay. then what I usually do is throw a little milk in this pan with the rest of what, what's in here is the caramel and then make ice cream with it later. <laughs> so no Ooh, scraping needing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. That sounds so good. Okay. I'm at 220. So I'll keep going with our facts. Perfect. We're at the Civil War being so, a huge game changer for the amount of production. Produ- well, the production, but also the U.S. military ended up giving out all the sweet and condensed milk to the soldiers in the Civil War because it lasts a long time. And, that you know, and it's actually quite nutritious, especially when you put all that. Well, I should say, what, is, what was the term I kept seeing? Energy dense. <laughs> Like sugar burst. <laughs> yeah. It's energy dense. Yeah. I, like, okay, I love that. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. When I eat my whole box of caramels now, I'm just energy densing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Energy densing. <laughs> so good for the, you too. Yes. It's energy dense. But since the American soldiers developed such a taste for it, they were like, we want this after the war. So they just kept like telling everybody about it. And so it just became super popular, which eventually led to a bubble in production and that eventually burst. So sadly, after that popularity bubble burst, we were left with the two companies that are around today, which is Nestle. So that's a European country company. And there was some European stuff to throw in there but I forgot to put it in the script. So no, no European history on the sweet and condensed milk for you. But Nestle popping its head up again. Nestle is everywhere. And Borden, which then became known as the Eagle brand, sweet and condensed milk. So that's what I have. I have Nestle today for once. Usually I have Eagle brands. Actually, I get a lot of Trader Joe's brand too. So let's not say <laughs> really brand loyal. I'm not. 
Whatever's at the store I'm at, at in that moment. <laughs> I'm not brand loyal on sweetened condensed milk. The reason you want to use this in sweets is that higher concentration of milk solids. So it gives a little extra creaminess. And then you add some sweetness without adding any, uh, really any additional moisture. Additional sugar also helps with like baked goods getting more of a browning on the outside. So it can help with crust browning. So it might be kind of a good thing to add into like a sweet pastry if you're making some sort of sweet pastry. Also, the cream is going to go through a Maillard reaction. So you'll have the caramelization of the sugar and the Maillard reaction of the proteins in the milk. So you're getting like extra browning. And remind us again what Maillard is. We haven't talked about it in a little bit. So just in case people need a refresher. Uh, I need a refresher. Has something to do with the enzymes in proteins browning in a slightly different way than sugar caramelizes. <laughs> How's that? Perfect. But it's like cooking something or like changing its state. Kind right. Of. Right. Yeah. It's well, and I mean, that's true for caramelization, but it's a different state change versus caramelization and it has to do with proteins and heat and different enzymes. It's a more complex process as well, just because there's more involved with it. Because for caramelization, you're just having the bonds in the chemical makeup broken. So that's part of it. We're not here for my own reaction today. Okay? Right. That's not why we're here. But it does come into play and can make your caramels tastier. So a lot of things are happening right now in here. Yes. A lot of things. So much stirring. <laughs> so much stirring. I've probably been done with what, like five minutes now. So mine turned, took about 30, 39 minutes. Start to finish from yeah. heating up everything to yeah. in the pan in, to sit in overnight. The pan. Okay. I might've waxed my pan or greased my pan a little too much. There's like <laughs> some oil sitting on top of my caramels. I was thinking that too. I was like, I have a little bit of pools in here. Is that going to be okay? Oh, in your caramel? Yeah. You're fine. No, I'm sorry. In the pan with the oh, spray. Yeah. yeah it's there's fine. just a few little corners with the river I'm gonna yeah dab a little bit but the oil should come off and it'll just help when you're cutting it to make it easier to cut too and trust me this last year I also did not thoroughly enough grease the pan and actually I think forgot to grease one pan entirely and let me tell you that was a nightmare did it even come off no on some oh. things it did not I ended up oh. throwing away quite a bit of caramel which was very disappointing tragic very tragic so do you want to hear some health facts about condensed milk yeah condensed milk not health facts I guess it's just the nutrition data <laughs> two two tablespoons is 90 calories okay. you get 15.2 grams of carbohydrates from that 2.4 grams of fat 2.2 grams of protein eight percent of your daily value of calcium 10% of your recommended daily intake of phosphorus, 7% of your daily intake of selenium, and that has riboflavin in it, which is 7% of your recommended daily. Vitamin B12, 4% of your recommended daily intake, and choline, 44% of your daily intake. What's choline? I forget. <laughs> is a supplement, is a nutrient <laughs> similar to B vitamins, can be made in the liver. It is also found in foods such as meats, fish, nuts, beans, vegetables, and eggs. Choline, and condensed milk. They and forgot. condensed milk, yeah. <laughs> Choline is found uh, used in many chemical reactions. The body it is important for the nervous system and for the development of normal brain functioning. It's important okay. shit. 
<laughs> Get your choline in. Choline. Who knew? Who knew? How's it going over there? 233. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> 234. So I was stuck for a little while. I'm hoping I'm finally over the early 230 hump. I hope so. Thrilling stuff about condensed milk so far. What else is like very important information about this little sugary nugget that's important to our sauce today? The main thing is that you have a, it's more of a liquid sugar, mm. sort of akin to the corn syrup. So it helps stabilize your caramel making is my part of my theory. So you describe it more as a liquid sugar than a milk, a sweet milk necessarily. I mean, it's the same, but it's pretty sugary. <laughs> it's 40, 40% sugar. Yep. It's just like a thinned out sugar. The milk makes up the other 60%. So the milk is technically the greater portion, <laughs> but it is very energy dense. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's just like, I'm never going to not use that though. If it has sugar, it, it's energy, energy dancing. Yeah. If we had added bourbon, when would we add that? At the end, the very end, because okay. you, you want to treat it sort of similar to vanilla in that it's mm. a additive. So you want it to at the very end so that you're not affecting the flavor too much with heat. What about salt? I usually go with salt on top at the end. After but I did it's been poured out. Yes. But I did find the last time I did it, <laughs> you did have to wait like a couple of minutes for it to cool just slightly. Because otherwise this caramel kind of like the salt sinks in a little bit and it's not quite, (laughs) yeah, it's not quite the same. 238. Uh, Yay. At least it's going a little bit quicker. Yeah. Closing in. It's a pretty color. It is pretty color. I do like it. I want to eat it right now, but it's way too hot for that shit. Well, thank you for talking us through all that condensed milk information. I totally feel justified now in adding it to anything. (laughs) well I mean a a lot of the articles I read were like the number one thing was that they were usually talking about evaporated milk and sweetened condensed milk in the same breath because people are like what's the difference (laughs) and the main difference is the addition of milk or sorry the addition of sugar but no I wouldn't say you'd really want to add sweetened condensed milk to everything (laughs) (laughs) I think evaporated milk is probably the more versatile of the two because you can use it where you use half and half because it is, it's really just like a thicker milk. And I actually really like using evaporated milk for things because it has a little bit more flavor to it. Now it is sweeter than regular milk just because of the nature of it being evaporated. So there's a natural amount of sugar in the milk that will be more concentrated. So it is technically sweeter than milk but only because you're removing some of the water. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not as sweet as sweet and condensed milk. I'm at 242. Oh, yay, getting there. Getting there. 243. (laughs) And then heat off and run to the pan. Run to the pan. I was so anxious. Ah, 244. (laughs) Actually, you've gotten through the hard part. The the crystallization is where you're going to mess up most of the time. If you've made it this far, oh, you're done. There you go. 244. See, and I'd already forgotten that we were supposed to take it to 244. I was thinking 250 again. Yikes. Ooh, that was stressful. <laughs> but now the stress is done. You're all done. That's it. Well, this mess I have to clean up. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Fine. Good point about the mess. 
it is a bit of a sticky mess, but yeah. Caramel. You've done it. You've made the car- caramel. Caramel or caramel? I usually say caramel. It's really chewy. Hard it's to know. Stuck mm-hmm. in my teeth. Well, I can tell you right now it's really good, but we are going to touch base later after it's sat overnight because it's supposed to sit overnight to develop its silky texture. What is your opinion of the world level? Oh, at least, yeah, four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Minimum. It's not a five. It's not a five. I think if I had done it in the Dutch oven pan the whole time, it probably would have been, been less stressful to me. I should have, I should have pushed for this, the Dutch oven, but I didn't. It's like, Next it's fine. It, yeah. You'll be okay. No one's going to die. <laughs> this burner might be dead. <laughs> I have a similar mess to clean up over here from my, uh, my, when my cream went over. So how do you clean up that burn? Just put water on it. Cause it's, sh- it's burn sugar. So it's usually pretty easy to clean up. Okay. I mean, your, your burners disassemble, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the top comes off. Yeah. So I'd probably mm-hmm. soak that part. You won't be able to mm-hmm. use it for like an hour or so, but it's just water. It's mostly going to come up with water. Like it's not going to be too much of a problem. All right. I mean, you did turn off the, the burner on that side, so it shouldn't be too bad, right? No, but it's just right under the lip of the heat source. It's mm. all crispy. Okay. So yeah, just, just lots of water, but let like, I take the top off and let it soak in a pan of water. Water is going to be your friend here because it's mostly sugar and sugar dissolves in water. So it shouldn't be too horrible to clean up because okay. you didn't bake it, bake it in there. It's it, you know, you tried to make sure you stopped as soon as it was burning. So, okay. I know <laughs> you can, you can call me a liar later, but hopefully I'm, I'm not steering you too wrong on that. Or if you have your Dawn spray power wash, that helps too sometimes. So cool. Well, caramel. Caramel. And then more to come. Yeah. A little time travel. I'll see you in the future. See you in the future. We're in the future. Gretchen's in her closet with her headphones backwards. So everything's just like, we're off to a good start. Hello. Welcome to the future. It's the future where nothing's going right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our caramels went pretty okay slash right at the end of it. Yes. Taste-wise, really great. But we both have thoughts about the tinfoil, me especially, because it (laughs) resorted to me and my dad both working on the tinfoil at the same time, using a hairdryer to try and melt the sugar so that the tinfoil would come off. I am done with tinfoil. I will only ever use parchment. I am very angry about this because I was like, it'll be easy. I, I waxed the fuck or I greased the fuck out of it. And then, no, I did not grease the fuck out of it. I only greased it half like, fuck. Half yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> enough that like there were like puddles of coconut oil on the top. Still not enough. Not enough. Same. Well, same in that it was swimming in oil by the time I had taken it out of all of it barriers it's foil it's pan all that stuff but it did take a while to get the foil off it was not a super smooth just peel it off in one fell swoop it took a little bit of work and patience and I asked Gretchen like why is foil recommended in the first place and 
Gretchen thought heat resistance, but ultimately I'm not doing that again. I will do, I will make caramel again, but I will not put it in foil. <laughs> you said parchment or wax paper works the same. I would be a slightly more hesitant to use wax paper just because I'm not sure about its heat tolerance, but parchment paper, you're good to go. Like okay. that stuff's made to go in the oven. It's made to bake on, it's made to cook with. So the heat resistance is fine. And I'd maybe even grease it, the paper, because if you greased it with butter too, then at least you're sticking with the same fat and it's just more, a little extra butter because we love butter. We love <laughs> butter. Yeah. Because that's not a problem for us ever. So flavor was delicious. I told Gretchen, I think this is a safe four. As everybody heard, I did have some problem with overflow and my pan and my fear of ruining pans and the stovetop, but everything came out fine. Like Gretchen said, it all came out fine. This is one of the few things that was really hard that I will try again on my own. I do want to learn how to do this comfortably. And I know Gretchen, you make it every year. I get to benefit from you making it every year. And I thought, <laughs> wouldn't that be kind of nice if once somebody made caramels for Gretchen? So I'm going to try <laughs> to make some caramels for you and just send them back and forth. <laughs> yeah, we'll just use, we'll send them at the same time. See you. Racing but... caramels. <laughs> Go. So I would definitely do it again in my Dutch oven, but I think given the panic of this situation, this recording, this moment, probably a little above four, but I will try again with a smooth four mindset. I approve. <laughs> the really great thing is about this recipe, one of the reasons I like it is it's, it's a super versatile caramel. So I was making it because I needed to make my brother's favorite candy and my sister-in-law's favorite candy is turtles, which of course they are also teaching their daughter Amelia how to love turtles. So this was actually her request <laughs> that I bring them turtles when I go to visit. So we had to make caramel so that I can make turtles, but you could flavor these in any way you want. And they, as Becca says, I mean, there's a little level of challenge here, but it's, it's a really nice thing. It's not super hard and it makes a great gift. It's always a good thing to yeah. have in your pocket. <laughs> so delicious. And as we learned, if you eat a lot of it, that's fine. You're just energy dancing. It's totally appropriate <laughs> for the situation. So you can eat as many caramels as you want. Fine, Becca. It's fine. <laughs> it has choline in it and you need choline. Like choline is super choline. important. <laughs> so this has been an addition of how Gretchen and Becca can talk you into eating anything. <laughs> Welcome. And, and tell you it's healthy. <laughs> But I'm glad you enjoyed this one and you'll do it again. I like that. It's so rare that we find things that we do over and over from this podcast. I mean, I've got my garlic pickle. Like that is my, I love the garlic pickle. I need to do a batch of preserved lemons. That needs to happen. Anyway. Well, Gretchen's traveling. We're taking a slight recording break, but you probably won't notice it in the schedule. But we will be posting... The recipe that we used on highgluttony.com and our thoughts about tinfoil as well. Yes, lots of thoughts on tinfoil. <laughs> Keep it for your tinfoil hats. <laughs> Put it to good use like that, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like and subscribe. Thank you for following us, Gluttoneers. We're excited to see listeners in new places. Thank you so much for joining us. And off we go. Off we go. Off we go.